0: Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Well I don't get the opportunity to share in the morning service too often So it's a real honour to be here this morning And we often have a lot of new people coming to church We're continually growing So I'm just going to share a few things about me personally For those who don't know me um, As Jared said, my name's Josh And I oversee the internship programme and the young adults programme here at Harmony Church Um, And despite being mistaken for a 19 year old I'm actually 30 years of age (laughs) That was last week and uh, I'm also quite a solid introvert. And so that's an interesting experience when you're in a pastoral role. There's sometimes, straight after a young adults meeting, where I've gone straight to my office and just sat there while all the young adults hang out. Don't tell Catherine, get in there. But um, <laughs> we. <laughs> We had a, um, a staff retreat about a year and a half ago, and Catherine, got, Catherine, our senior pastor, got all the staff to line up in a line. And she said, if you're an introvert, I want you to go on that side. If you're an extrovert, I want you to go on that side. And I want you to go closer to the wall if you're more introverted or in the middle if you think you're in the middle. And so I took my place on the introverted side near the wall, and the other 13 staff stood on the other side of the line. LAUGHTER with with Gideon and Annette Regits out on the balcony talking with each other. <laughs> and needless to say, just like any introvert, I was happy to be by myself in that moment. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I am an introvert, but I love people. I really do, and my parents used to call me their joy boy because I'd just sit there in, in social situations as a kid, and I wouldn't say anything, but I'd just smile. And I still often do that nowadays. And... Um, <laughs> So I am an introvert, but I do really love people, and I love my job, um, and I've been married to my amazing wife, Lydia, and her cat for the last year and a half. That's <laughs> been a joy. You're welcome to ask me about that after the service. Uh, and in a marriage, you learn a few things, and, and generally, there's two types of people. Like, hands up if you think you're a morning person. Got it. Yep, good deal. It's a morning service. Hands up if you think you're an evening person. All right, close to 550. 50. So I always wondered which one I was. I just couldn't really tell, but in marriage, Lydia's pointed out that I'm neither. I like to go to bed early, and I struggle to get up every morning. But I'm extremely grateful for the life I live and it's a really honour to, to be able to share with you guys this morning. And what I'm going to be sharing on is something that is really uh, personal and passionate in my life and that is what does it look like to partner with God. And I'm going to sh- um, put a couple photos up on the screen and we're going to talk through them and it's, uh, it's ways in which we can live our lives, ways in which we can partner with God and I'd love for you to engage with that, with where you're standing with that this morning as we do that. So if Matthew, wait, you could put up photo number one, please. <clears throat> Today as I go through this talk I want you to, to recognise in these photos That each photo is of a yacht And uh, and you'll see there's a, a similar amount of wind In each photo And I want you to understand that the wind in the photo Is what God is doing The wind in the photo is what God is doing And the question is what is the boat What is the person doing to partner with what God is doing Does that make sense? Uh, I want you to be asking the question, what is that boat doing or what am I doing to harness and partner with what God is doing around me? And so this boat uh, here illustrates what uh, how some people live their lives and it's in such a way where they're not quite moved by what God is doing. Uh, their faith at some level or another has anchored them as opposed to allowed them to partner with what God is doing. And maybe, that's, uh, you, maybe you're in this room and you're a young person, you've grown up in a Christian family and you've been around uh, people who have prayed, your family have prayed during dinner time, but you've never really owned it yourself. You've never really made that decision to raise your sail and actually allow your life Life to be used by God, to partner with what God is doing. Or maybe you're new to church, maybe you uh, don't know too much about Christianity but you're here and you've been here the first time or maybe a few times and you're discovering this thing. You've come out from the cabin per se, the cabin is the under part of the yacht and you're looking around but you haven't quite made that decision to raise your sail and to allow your life to partner with what God is doing around you. Or maybe you've been around church and Christianity for a long time, and you've you've seen a lot of things, and maybe you've raised your sail at one point or another. But for whatever reason, you're more uh, content with uh, evaluating what's happening around you, as opposed to participating with what God is doing. <clears throat> Uh, Often people who think like this, they know they can partner with God, they know they can partner, partner with the wind around them, but they also know that they can't quite control things as well when they do that. And so rather than living a life of purpose, adventure and uncertainty, they prefer to maintain the sense of control. We all love control. It just looks different per person. And I want you to understand as I go through these, I want you to understand I'm not talking about a type of person. This is not a picture that illustrates a type of person. It illustrates a way of life. It illustrates a way people can live their lives. But that boat was not designed to not raise its sail. They wouldn't spend $10,000 designing a mast, which is that pole that's sticking up. They wouldn't spend $10,000 designing a mast and giving that boat a sail to not be used. So in other words, that boat is not a type of person. This is not a type of person. This is a way some people choose to live their lives. God created you to partner with the purposes that he has predestined for you it is not a it is not a type of person it is a way of life And what I want you to notice here in this photo, as with every photo, is you can see the signs of God moving around this person. You can see the ripples in the water, the effects of their wind, the effects of what God's doing, that people are coming to know God, building relationship with him, encouraging others in their faith, seeing healings, seeing, seeing people reconciled to their creator, but still the person remains less engaged with what's actually happening and not partnering with it. God is moving, but there's no partnership or relationship. If we could jump to photo number two, please. Um, now, this photo might ring true for some people. And in fact, uh, all of us at some point, point would have found us ourselves in this position where we're either by our own mistake or by someone else's mistake, a co-pilot perhaps, a.k.a. a spouse or a family member, or a friend or a work partner, we have found ourselves lying on our side. Now, often um, people will will call this a season of rest (laughs) or taking a break or one of the more common ones we hear is a season of transition. And what I'm not saying is every person who is in a season of transition is hurting like this. I'm not saying that. But quite often, people don't transition into purpose. They actually transition out of pain. And, and it's really important when you are transitioning out of pain that you actually own that within yourself. You see, it's not a problem to be, uh, to be experiencing pain, to find yourself in an experience. Remember, this is an experience. It's a moment. It's not how you were created to be. This boat wasn't designed to sail like that. But it's really important when you find yourself in an experience like this that we all will find ourselves in. It's really important we realise that one, we weren't designed for it, but two, that we're able to actually admit that we are. We're able to actually acknowledge to ourselves that we are hurting. Um, Again, this is not a type of person, this is a way of life that some people choose to live and it's a life defined by hurt, disappointment, discouragement and often unforgiveness. And the two biggest challenges we face when we find ourselves in this experience is are we humble enough to admit the pain that we are experiencing? Are we humble enough to admit the pain we are experiencing and are we mature enough to take responsibility for our lives to stand up once again? The other two biggest challenges, are we humble enough to admit it's really hard for us to admit that someone else uh, has done something that's hurt us, that's really disappointed us. And it's even harder for us to admit that we made a mistake, that we were part of, um, of causing pain or, or strife in others' lives or in our lives. So it's just it's easier for people to say, yeah, I'm just in a season of transition. And it's not a problem, as I said, to, to believe you're in a season of transition or to tell others that you're in a season of transition. The concern is when you tell everyone you're in a season of transition, including yourself. Either the pride is bigger than the pain or you are so isolated you can't see what you don't know. And instead of putting themselves up and acknowledging it and beginning to heal, instead some of us live compromised lives by accommodating the hurt, pain and disappointment instead of dealing with it. If you're hurt, you're hurt. You don't have to tell everyone, but you do have to tell some people. Start to process it in a healthy way and allow yourself and your confidence to be rebuilt. Remember, this is a way of life. This is not a type of person. You are not a broken person. You are a whole person in Jesus' name. The second challenge when people live like this, uh, the, the second challenge they face is, um, is when they don't believe they're responsible for the capsize, when they take no responsibility for what's happened to them in their lives, and I know there's some things that come against us that we did not choose, but we do choose how we respond to them, and that is where we find our greatest freedom. And, uh, and when, you're not, when you're not able to take responsibility for the place you've found yourself in your life, you're not responsible to, make, to help yourself stand up. And so the key to remembering the same with the other photos, with this photo, is that God's still moving around this person. God is still moving around this person. You can see the effects of what he's doing for the person at this stage is currently living a life where they're not quite partnering in their fullness with what God is doing around them. The second photo is a photo of abuse, misuse, um, or as Catherine put it the other day, overuse, uh, incorrect use. But, But the way to manage the antidote for abuse is never no use. It's never to leave the yacht lying down. It's never to leave the person alone. Often when we encounter someone where we know there's been a, a case of abuse, physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever, we often try to give distance between us and them, and whatever the area is, because we don't want to cause pain there again. Now that's really nice, but the problem is it doesn't bring full healing. You generally don't see full healing until the person takes what was abused and puts it to proper use because the antidote to abuse is proper use. And so the second photo is a photo of abuse, but the antidote to that is not no use, but it's proper use. And so this third photo is a picture of proper use. It's a picture where design and purpose align. I want you to see this picture not as one of, like I don't want you to get caught on the people or any of the advertising. I just want you to look at the boat and just consider, consider the wind and the way, that, the way that this boat is using everything it can to harness and partner with what God is doing around it. And it's not a picture of high performance, but it's a picture of high humility, a willingness to do everything within your power to lay yourself down in order to partner with what God is doing, a willingness to do everything possible to partner with God and what He is doing. In every photo, there is a similar context. There is a similar level of wind. But some are are not partnering with that. They're sitting still. Some are just lying down. And others are doing everything they can to partner with what God is doing around them. These three uh, ways of life can happen within a family. This could be your sister and your brother, and you could be one of these three too. Uh, this, is, this is the way in which people experience things. They can be side by side in the same circumstance, but living very different lives. And so my question for you is, um, how are you partnering with God? Which picture do you resonate most with? I know there will be some discrepancies, maybe you're in between one or the other, it doesn't really matter, but I want you to engage with what does it look like for you to partner with what God is doing around you in this season. These photos are the difference of what it looks like between partnering with God and not, and I want to just leave this photo up while I share this morning because I really want it to stick with you this morning, what it looks like when design and purpose align. And one specific um, season, uh, we, we've just really identified what we feel like God is doing in this season with our church. What the winds are blowing around us is that it's a season of true riches. And to explain that really briefly, uh, one of Jesus' followers, Luke, who was also a doctor, recorded Jesus sharing this truth in Luke chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. And uh, in it, Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little will also be trusted with very much. And whoever uh, cannot be trusted with very little will not be trusted with very much. And then he says, so if you have, been, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you With true riches, and so in effect, what Jesus is saying is that if you can be trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, then you'll be trusted to handle true riches. Now, true riches—these are this—is the thing that matters in life. These are the things that actually make us come alive. They're not material possessions, but the people and the experiences around them. Um, If we can be trusted with true riches. That, that, that like true riches is actually felt within the wind and to be trusted in true riches is to actually raise your sail and to partner with what God is doing. Yeah. True riches are the things in life, in life that re- really matter. True riches are life-giving moments where some people for the first time feel loved and accepted not only by God but also by the community around them. True riches are when people step into and come alive in their god-given purposes. True riches is where a, a young woman who who is is Extremely hateful towards who, who she is and what she looks like, which we know is a struggle for women growing up. And and she, she dislikes who she is, so she abuses her body in order to try and make it beautiful. But in a moment of prayer where she comes forward to the front of church for prayer, that, that, that is broken off her, and she walks out of the room completely healed, restored, and made whole. And instead of walking into rooms comparing herself with everyone else, she now sees the beauty that God has placed in them and the beauty that He has placed in her that is True Riches. True Riches is a story of a young man who's, who's, who finds his significance and his insecurity met in alcohol and drugs and doesn't know another way to live his life. But here's the gospel, here's that he has a purpose in Jesus Christ, that he was created for something more than that. And so he raises his sail. he decides to partner his whole life with who God has created him to be and so encouraging others to do the same. These are True riches these are the things that really matter the things that influence eternity I would like to propose that the wind in all three of these photos that represents what God is doing also represents the true riches of this life the things that matter the things that matter are happening all around but the question is and it comes back to is are we partnering with that corporally as a church and individually as people. True riches is is what virtually every person wants. Jesus said in John 10.10 that the devil came to steal, kill and destroy but I came to give you life and life more abundantly and no sane person wants death or destruction because it's not how we were created, it's not how we were designed. We were designed for life and life abundantly and true riches. You can change the language to suit you but we all want to live a generous life overflowing with the abundance into the lives of those around us seeing the miraculous life-giving will of God manifesting itself through life-giving relationships and moments with him and with those around us we want we want this and Jesus is inviting us into this. He's inviting us to raise our sales so that if we can, and he says, if we can be trustworthy with worldly wealth, we can be trusted with true riches. And that picture is a picture of what it is to be trusted with true riches to actually raise your sale. But I'm going to explain that. It's a picture of being trusted with true riches. So, so what is worldly wealth? Most people think of worldly wealth as money, and that is correct. But it's, just, it's money and it's material possessions of value because money actually didn't exist for a long time, but material possessions did, and money substituted in there to make that easier for people to function. So true rich, uh, worldly riches is both money and anything of material possession. That's why your bank considers your house a sum of money because it's the same thing. And there's nothing evil or wrong about worldly riches. There's nothing bad about them inherently. The problem is, is when we choose to trust these things more than God. There is no problem with true riches until we trust them more than we trust God. So you know you're not handling worldly wealth well if you've placed your trust in it and you're building your life upon it. You know you're not handling worldly wealth well when you've placed your trust in it and you're building your life on top of it. As long as you've placed your trust in worldly wealth, it doesn't matter how much material money you have, how many courses on finances you go to, or how pure you feel like your heart is. You, me, and we are not trustworthy in handling worldly wealth when we have placed our trust in it because you don't handle things that you trust. They handle you. When you trust something or someone You hand over control and you give them permission to act in a way that affects and influences you. When you place your trust in money, you're no longer handling it, it is handling you. So how can you be trusted with something that controls you? No matter how much you have, if your trust is in money, it is not serving you, you are serving it. And the first step to seeing true riches, the things that really matter, is trust and trust in God. If the band could come up, please. What I want you guys to understand, what I want to tie in is how how trusting God and not trusting the the things of this world is a picture of raising your sale. So three weeks ago, we had Heart for the House Offering And for those who don't know, there was an opportunity, we had a few testimonies before, but an opportunity to sow uh, a a possession that could be seen as um, worldly riches into what God is doing. But it it wasn't about money, it was about trust. And I remember in the morning service, for me specifically sitting up the front, just beginning to tear up as I could feel the shift that was taking place in the room. And there's so many people I've spoken to, uh, couples and individuals who during that service could feel a shift to actually contribute more than they first thought, and it wasn't a shift of finances in that moment, it was a shift of trust, it was actually a shift of I'm actually willing to trust God with all these worldly possessions, and what I felt in that room that morning, the shift that was taking place was the sense of many individuals in this room raising their sales in a way that perhaps they've never done before, choosing to partner with God in a way they perhaps have never done before, have not done in a long time. It's not a matter of trust. It's not a matter of finances, it's a matter of trust, and Jesus knew this. And in Luke chapter 18 and 19, there were two young men who came up to Jesus, and uh, both of them were quite wealthy, had a lot of worldly wealth. uh, But Jesus confronted one, and he didn't confront the other, because the issue is never how much worldly wealth you have, it's what has your trust. And so the first individual, which was Zacchaeus, Jesus didn't confront him on the wealth he had. Jesus didn't confront him on that. He welcomed him into the kingdom. But the second individual, he welcomed him in because he could see that his heart was trusting God, that he had raised his sail. where the second individual, which was the rich young ruler, came to Jesus, and Jesus said, Hey, I want you to give away everything you have to the poor and come and follow me. Now, he doesn't say that to every rich person, every person with wealth, but he does say it to those who trust wealth more than him. And the the Bible records that the, the rich young ruler walked away Sad, because he knew his life was built on that, and he wasn't able to trust God in that moment. The shift I felt like we saw take place three weeks ago that we're continuing to walk in was one of trust, was one of many individuals in this place beginning to raise their sales in ways they haven't done before in order to partner with what God is doing. The sales on these photos represents our hearts. Our hearts. And it's when we raise our sails that we raise our hearts and apply them in trust to the true riches of life. And that's when we step into our purposes. That's when we come fully alive. The first photo is a picture of a heart hidden that's, that's unable to trust God. Either they've never even heard about it. There's lots of people who've never even heard they have that option. Or maybe they have, but they haven't quite had the faith to step over that mark and their heart is still hidden down in the cabin. The second photo is a heart that, that's either been exposed at some point or not, but, but they're hurting. But there's been pain, there's been discouragement, there's been disappointment, and they're currently working things out. But the invitation still remains. God still moves around them. And the third photo is when an individual is willing to place their heart out there for all to see, that is willing to risk being critiqued by others, being judged by others, but is also willing to partner with everything they are to partner with what God is doing. We believe the winds of change are blowing, the winds of heaven are moving around us, and true riches are available in an increasing measure. And the invitation is to entrust our hearts to God, to raise our sails like we've never done before, and to partner with him. And so my question before I close is, which picture resonates for you the most? What is the experience you're currently finding you're in, the way of life you're finding yourself in? These are not types of people. These are ways we live our lives. These are ways we live our lives. Will we please stand? As I shared this morning, I know there will be individuals in this room who you could feel, you could feel just the spirit inside of you resonating in your heart, or with even if you're not a Christian in this place, you could feel just things happening inside of you. That is the invitation to partner with God in a greater way. That is the invitation to raise your sail and to step out into your purposes, live a life of adventure and hope and life, as opposed to one of certainty and control. But if that really spoke to you this morning, I really encourage you to partner with it as soon as possible. Whether it's writing something down on your phone that you felt like God wanted you to do to partner with Him, writing it down in your notebook, or as we go into a time of worship, if it looks like coming to the front or just raising your hands in your seat, that you would do whatever it looks like for you to raise your sail, to begin to trust God, to give Him your whole life. If you're comfortable to just close your eyes in the room, I want to pray for everyone. And then we're going to go into a time of worship. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I just pray for every heart in this room. I pray for every heart that has been hurt, that has been disappointed or discouraged, that your Holy Spirit would breathe on it right now in the name of Jesus, that you would breathe, breathe life into the hearts of every individual here that they would experience and feel that love and that abundant life that you purpose for them, that they would be able to walk out of here with their sails high, partnering with who you are in their life, that they would be bold, that they would be courageous, that they would be fearless, they would, they would live a life for the things that matter. They would live a life find by true riches, that they would get to experience the pleasures of walking in your will for their life. I pray for every heart in this room that it will be filled with the Holy Spirit, that the breath of life will begin to blow over it. Right now, in the name of Jesus, come Holy Spirit. Come blow over this room. Come Holy Spirit. We invite you. We invite you. We invite you. We choose to partner with you this morning. We choose to partner with the things that really matter in this life, the purposes that you have created us for. We choose to step out in them and trust you with our whole lives, God. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to engage with that, whatever that looks like. Whatever trust looks like for you in this moment, begin to engage with that. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.